I'm speechless. So thankful to the Lord for gifts. He's given our team to lead us into the throne room of God. Lord, we lift up our hearts to you. We lift up our minds to you. We lift up our intellect and our emotions. We lift up all of us, all of us, to the very throne room of God. Because we know there is our comfort, there's our joy, and there's the blessing, there's healing, and there's salvation, and ultimately, all of eternity with you. Make the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, our Lord, our rock, and our redeemer. And all of God's people said amen. amen. Pierre-Auguste Renoir, a renowned artist who lived between 1841 and 1919. He was known as the founder and the developer of what is known as the Impressionist style of painting. When he was in his early 50s, he was stricken by a crippling rheumatoid arthritis. Back then, they just called it rheumatism. I watched my own mother afflicted by that dilapidating disease and with which she died, of which she died. This disease caused Renoir's fingers literally to be paralyzed. And yet, when his assistant can hand him a brush, he could paint. Amazingly, in spite of his intense pain and paralyzing deformities, he continued painting the last 20 years of his life. Amazingly, he learned to actually adapt his painting to this physical challenges. One of Renoir's, Renoir's friends and fellow painter, contemporary by the name of Henry Matisse, was absolutely mesmerized at this incredible dedication, Renoir's ability to endure suffering for the sake of art. And so Matisse, Matisse one time asked him the question, why do you torture yourself to keep on painting? Here's Renoir's answer. Listen carefully. He said, the pain passes, but beauty remains. The pain passes, but beauty remains. Now, beloved friends, in the last message, we left our study of seeing how persistence in prayer win spiritual battles. No battle 
has ever been won by giving in and surrendering and giving up in prayer, on prayer. Please listen carefully. If an artist can endure the physical pain for the sake of earthly beauty, how much more the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who have been promised victory can even think of surrendering their birthright. How much more should we who know and worship the one who said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, throw in the towel and do not persist in prayer. Now, if you're visiting with us, or in case some of you are visiting with us for the first time, we began a series of messages, what godly women of old can teach our internet generation. And we began, continue today, to look at the persistence in prayer by a gracious woman, and that's actually what her name means, Hannah, gracious. And so I'm going to ask you to turn with me, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 2. We looked at chapter 1 in the last message. I want to look at chapter 2, and if you don't have your own Bible, grab the one in the pew. It's page 420. Follow with me, please, if you found it. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord, in the Lord. My horn horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. Say that with me. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, and by Him deeds are weighed. The bows and the arrows are broken but those who stumble are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry hunger no more. She who was broken has borne seven children, but she who had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth, and He humbles and exhorts. He raises the poor from dust and lifts up the needy from the heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit the throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he has set the world. He will guide the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. 
Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. No, the needle did not get stuck. <laughs> he will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. I just don't want you to forget it. He will give strength to his king. Israel had no king at that time. This is a messianic prophecy of the Lord Jesus. He gives strength to his king and exalts the horns of his anointed. Now, the Bible doesn't break the, this prayer down, but I will. Uh, this is not presumption. This is not taking liberty, but this is to help you follow with me. Five ingredients of this prayer. Five ingredients. To me, at least, they're very instructive and they're truly inspiring, even to our internet generation. Again, to make it easier for you, I broke them down in letters, all starts with the letter S, just to make it easier for you to remember. Surrender, sorrow, supplication, song, and sacrifice. Without looking behind me, I'm sure they're on the screen. It's by faith. There you go. Thank you, guys. Let's go through them. Oh, come on now. What's going on? Let's look at these very closely and very quickly. In the last message, I told you that surrender is the opposite of persistence. But today, I'm talking about a different kind of surrender from the one I was talking about in the last message. Today, I'm talking about a different kind of surrender. It is not the surrender of giving up or giving in. It is not the surrender of hopelessness. It is not the surrender of despair. But rather, it's surrender to the God as we persist in prayer. Hannah refused to surrender to despair. Instead, she surrendered everything to the Lord. Hear me right, please. Her surrender to the Lord was unconditional. Her surrender was in total worship of her life to the Lord. She held nothing back from the Lord. She gave God the deeds to her own life. She gave God even the baby that she prayed for in her brokenness. I wonder how many of us have reached such a state of maturity. I think I'm safe to say that most of us, including your pastor, we are willing to surrender a portion of our life and all of life's blessings. We're willing to surrender a portion. We're willing to surrender to God that which does not interfere with our comfort. We are willing to surrender with that which uh, does not interfere with our rights to live the way we want to live, or we may surrender 
certain compartments of our lives, but not all of them. We are happy to surrender the leftover, but certainly not the best. Often I'm reminded of Aesop's fable. Most of you, if not all of you, are familiar with it, about the goose and who laid, that laid a golden egg. The farmer who tried, to, got very tired of waiting for a single golden egg every day, and so he cut the goose open to get all the eggs out all at once. Please listen to me. This farmer, I know it's a fable, has failed to understand that the goose laid a new egg of blessing every day. He failed to understand that by cutting the goose open, he killed the source of his daily blessings. Beloved, please listen to me. Here is the thing that I have been learning in the last seven decades, that when we surrender everything, everything, everything to the Lord, he responds by blessing us. I know that whenever I hold back, I'm cutting the goose open and cutting the blessing. And when Hannah surrendered all to God, and when she gave him everything, uh, the one thing that she loved the most in this whole world, the child of the prayer of, his broken, of her brokenness, when she surrendered what was to her is everything to God. He blessed her in a mind-boggling way. Let me testify to you. Listen carefully. Let me testify to you. The very God who blessed Hannah and answered her prayer of brokenness still wants to bless his children today. Amen. But there is a condition. There are unconditional promises, but there are conditional promises. I know when we hear the word God's blessing, we always think of material things. I mean, these prosperity gospel preachers just really ruined it for all of us. <laughs> and we just think of all the material things. But the reality is, listen please, God's blessings truly surpasses all of the material stuff of the world. God's favor, God's grace, God's power, God's answer to prayer, salvation of family members, fruitfulness in ministry, and the list goes on and on and on, and the endless blessings. There are a million other blessings that can come as a result of surrender, not just material things. Surrender. Secondly, sorrow. You know, I, I grieve deeply by those preachers who mock the Scripture, and even a mega church pastor in Tennessee recently said, but the Bible is not the Word of God, and boy, all these people loved it. The comments, oh, he's realistic. It's a lie from the pit of hell. The Bible is realistic. I got a book coming out in, in September, October about the unity of the Bible, the, the totality of the Bible, the non-contradiction of the Bible. Our Bible is very realistic. Even though Hannah surrendered, and yet her sorrow continued. Her thorn in the flesh, as Paul would call it, Penina's sharp tongue, continued 
to wound her. She had a house, but not a home. She had a house, but not a haven of rest. She had a house and a devoted husband, but a mean-spirited companion. She described herself to Eli the priest as a woman who is deeply troubled. Verses 15 of chapter 1. Another translation puts it this way. I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. And yet, even in the midst of her sorrow, Hannah trusted the Lord. Even though her womb was shut, and yet her heart was open to the Lord. Though her anguish is unbearable, but she leaned on God. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been there. Some of you might be going there through there right now. And some of you might be getting ready to get into one. And you've experienced what Hannah has experienced. You might have been struggling with a family member or a boss or a co-worker or a neighbor or even a fellow church member. Someone, for some reason or another, is cruel to you, is deeply wounding to you, is abandoning you, someone who is berating you, and you feel your spirit is oppressed. Remember this. Remember this. Nothing. Nothing. Can you say nothing? Nothing Nothing is hidden from God's view. He is watching, and He will act. On the surface, the trial, her trial seemed to be unending. On the surface, your prayers may not have been answered and you wanted to be. And sorrow is mounting. Here is the great news. Here's the most fantastic news of all. Her sorrow did not last forever. Neither will yours. Neither will yours. God is about to bring joy into your life. All you need to do is surrender. Thirdly, supplication. Now, supplication is the act of asking for something from the hand of God in an earnest and in a humble spirit. In Hannah's prayer, she did not presume on God. She did not presume on the grace of God. Uh, She did not demand anything from God. It's the most amazing thing to me. Uh, She did not feel entitled as our 21st century Christians do. She did not feel that God owed her something, as we do. She came to him in humility, pleading for undeserved mercy and grace from the hand of the Lord. Don't miss this, please. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. If you're taking notes, please jot it down. In her sorrow, Hannah refused to give in to bitterness. She was mentally hurt, but her soul was healed. She was emotionally battered, but her commitment was unsinkable. She was physically exhausted by daily, by this daily aggravation. of of Penina, but her spirit was strong. She had every reason to give in and give up, and yet she persevered in prayer. What did she pray for? What did she pray for? 
What was her supplication is all about? It was nothing short of a plea that God would intervene in the laws of nature and open her womb. My friends, you and I know. Excuse me. You and I know. Right now, we're experiencing vicious attack on the Christian faith. This is not a secret anymore. The godless forces now are out in the open, and they're seeking nothing short than destroying the next generation. Listen to me. Hear me out, please. This is the time to cry out to God as Hannah did. This is the time for supplication for God's supernatural intervention. This is the time of a total consecration in humility and supplication. Question, why are we not seeing God move in a supernatural way? Of course, he moves in individuals' life. I know, my goodness, daily intervening in my life. I, I can stand here and testify to you for hours. And I know that many of you would testify how individually he does that. But I'm talking about why is he not doing something in a visible, global way? Why? I'm going to tell you why, but I hope the few of you, not all of you, but the few of you who may be offended, please do not be offended. Okay? Can I get an amen? amen? Those of you watching around the world might be offended by what I'm going to say. I pray to God you don't. And if you do, take it to the Lord in prayer. <laughs> the vast majority of Christians in the West are practical atheists. That is why they're living just like atheists. I know this might be harsh, it might be even contradictory in terms, but think of how many pastors who are teaching accommodation to the pagan culture rather than preach the power of God to destroy strongholds. Not long ago, I was invited on national television with two other pastors. Asked the question why the survey showed that 50% of pastors in America are accommodating to the pagan culture. Think of how many pastors who have married social justice to the gospel. And pray tell me, what are the people in the pews supposed to do? Sadly, they follow blindly. I think those of you who know me well enough, you know, understand. This is the deep burden of my heart. First there was, Surrender. secondly, Sorrow. thirdly, fourthly there is a song. After the young boy Samuel <clears throat> was weaned, it was time for Hannah to give him over to the Lord. 
in keeping with her vow. That's what she vowed. Now, of course, there's a debate among historians and scholars. What would that age is supposed to be? Some have said five. Others have said 12, like when they're bar mitzvah. Really, that's not the issue. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, I, I give them that one. <laughs> that's not the issue. I told you in the last message that this surrendering of her son gets to me in a big way. I've been 34 years. I've been reading through the Bible every year. Some of you do, doing the same thing with me. started a long time ago in the Daily Chronological Bible. And every time I get to that part, and it just gets to me. I just can't imagine Hannah being a human being like all of us. And she's trying to keep her son as long as she could. Probably putting off his weaning as long as she possibly could. But eventually she realized that Samuel is safer and better guarded under God's protection than hers. Give God glory. Give God glory. And so she and her husband, Elkanah, took the boy along with animal sacrifice as prescribed in the law of Moses, followed the the law of Moses that brought him to the high priest. You know what? <laughs> this is sort of the ludicrous in me that some of you are aware of, and if not, I'll introduce you to it right now. <laughs> I, I'd love to have been a fly on the wall when Hannah reintroduced herself to Eli the priest. <laughs> Remember me? I'm the one you thought I was drunk. But she was gracious, unlike me. I'm not as gracious as this great, wonderful lady, Hannah. I'll leave that alone. Then Hannah uttered a word of prayer in the form of a psalm of praise. After singing the song to the Lord, she returned home to Ramah. But the boy Samuel remained in Shiloh. There in Shiloh, Samuel was being trained by Eli the priest of how to minister to the Lord in his tabernacle. Now, Jeremy and I talk about this quite a bit actually. Most of our praise songs and modern songs, and that is why I'm so grateful for our team, they, they basically, they're all written to thank God for His blessings, right? We thank Him for what He's done for us, and, and rightly so. Don't stop. Don't stop. And you're watching, music writers, don't stop. Praise Him for salvation. Praise Him for justification. Praise Him for His mercy. Praise Him for His grace. Praise Him for all His blessings. But Hannah reminds the 21st century Christians, the 21st century believers, of something that our generation has forgotten. We have not forgotten it this morning, I can tell you that. But our generation has forgotten and that is 
how to praise God for His attributes, how to praise God for His holiness, which we sung about this morning. Listen to me. It takes a 100% surrendered soul to sing of the holiness of God. I often say it takes a, a standing on much higher planes to praise God for His holiness. She said, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And the rock in the Bible is a place of security, the fortress and the stronghold that keep us in times of trouble and conflict. And Hannah's brokenness taught her that her only security is in the one whose stability is unshakable, the one whose comfort is incomparable, the one whose power is unconquerable, the one whose compassion is inexhaustible, the one whose shield is imperitable, the one whose peace is indescribable, and the one whose love is unchangeable. Verse 1, she said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord, my horn, is lifted high. Now, in the Bible, the horns speak for strength, for power. And the imagery comes from the ox. See, the ox's strength is not in his legs and muscles or whatever. No, no. The strength of the ox is in his horns. And that is why they always talk about the horn of salvation. And she is saying that my only power, that my only pride is in the Lord alone. I have none of my own. I have nothing to boast about in myself, but everything to boast about in the Lord. In my own strength, I can do nothing. I can accomplish nothing. I can succeed in nothing. I could not bear a child by my own strength, but I gave birth to a child by the power of God. Let me tell you something that you can take to the bank. Not the financial bank, but the spiritual bank. God always, always gives a song to the surrendered spirit. God always gives a song to the surrendered soul. God always gives a song of praise to a heartfelt supplication. God always gives a song of praise to those who 100% sold out to him. Listen to me. God's song of praise is a power to the powerless. God's song of praise is a strength to the weak. God's song of praise is a joy to the joyless. It is healing to the wounded soul. It is a victory to the defeated. And that is why the Bible in Hebrews 13, 15 talks about the sacrifice of praise. Finally, 
sacrifice. Hannah made a selfless, sacrificial vow to the Lord. She told the Lord that if he gives her a son, she will dedicate him to him. In fact, the next message I'm going to be talking about, Jacobit, and it just happened to be Mother's Day. It wasn't really intended that way. And, and how in the pagan cultures, they sacrifice the little babies to false gods, to idols, to Moloch. And I'm going to say more about this. Hannah chose life, not death. Oh, she loved her boy Samuel enough to trust him to the one true God. And what an amazing gift she gave God. Samuel grew up to be one of the greatest spiritual leaders in Israel. You see, every time I read of this amazing commitment of Hannah in the Bible, I found myself asking two questions. Listen carefully, please, because I plead with you, you ask the same, if you haven't already. I found myself asking, and not just here, but in many other parts of the scripture, what is the one thing, what's the one thing that I want from the hand of God? Now, I, I, pray, for a lot, I pray for a lot of you, I pray for a lot of things, I pray for the ministry, I pray for a lot of things. But what's the one thing, the overarching thing that I'm asking the Lord? What is the one thing that I want God to grant me more than anything in life? Every one of us should ask that question. Some of you are already aware of what it is. Others might not be. Now, I can assure you, probably there will be uh, as, as many different answers as there are people and those even watching around the world. Many answers. But once you answered that first question, You need to go and ask the second question. And this is hard, but I do it. If the Lord answers my prayer and gives me the desire of my heart, am I willing, am I willing, am I willing, I'm emphasizing willing, to give it back to him? You notice I kept saying willing. I know this, these both are hard questions, but particularly the second one. I have no doubt that Hannah went to Shiloh every religious festival, every celebration, every, I mean, like, like we said, every time the church door opened, <laughs> she was there. Visiting her son, checking on him, seeing him. Every chance she got. But it wasn't the same as having him home. It's not the same as tucking him in bed at night. It's not the same as going for walks with him. All of these things Hannah placed at the altar as a living sacrifice. Question, why do we need to be willing to sacrifice 
everything that we cherish the most. Why? God doesn't need anything, right? He doesn't need it. He cannot enrich God or make him richer because we're giving him something, whatever it is. Ah, but our willingness to sacrifice reveals the state of our heart. I believe with all my heart, God wants us to hold all of his blessings, all of his blessings, loosely and with open hands. I know of what I'm talking about. God does not want us to cling unto things or even people. He wants us to cling to him. Can I get an amen? One of the many amazing things, this woman, Hannah, She did not wait until Samuel became a man. And she said, son, I dedicate you to the Lord. Now you go and do it. <laughs> she did not to try to change the rules. That's something we do, right? She did not try to redefine what giving back means. Uh, that's, that's what we like to do, redefine everything. She did not try to rationalize her vow and say, well, I will will keep Samuel with me. Uh, I'll I'll train him myself. After all, the boy needs his mother. Right? Sure, I made a vow. But God understands if I alter the terms of the vow just a little bit. Just a little bit. This is something our internet generation have become experts in doing or tempted to do. Please listen to me. What Hannah ultimately sacrificed, are you ready to hear that? You want to hear what she ultimately sacrificed? Her own mother's happiness. Oh, God wants me to be happy. She put her happiness on the altar. As Samuel grew up to manhood, he blessed not only his mother, the entire generation, but millions of people yet unborn. Samuel changed history. Samuel turned the people's hearts back to the Lord. I memorized, even since I was a little boy, he said, if if you want to turn back to the Lord with all of your heart, put away the idols, and then he leads them into worship. Samuel anointed King David, the physical ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, but that's not the end of the story. That would have been fantastic. That would have been just great. That would be, there's no, it can't get any better than that. But the Bible said it can. And it does. God responded to Hannah's faithfulness and surrender and sacrifice by giving her Six other children. The, the Bible said seven, but she's not counting Samuel, you see. <laughs> Six others. Seven including Samuel. I'm sure many of you have heard me quote the scripture many times. Please don't get tired of it. 
Don't get tired of it. God is no man's debtor. Say it with me. God is no man's debtor. He will not be beholding to us. He will not be holding to any of us. We cannot outgive God. When Hannah kept her vow to the Lord, she had no idea that she's going to receive not only Samuel, but six more. Oh, my beloved friends. This is our God. This is our God. Is he your God? That's how God works. You see, it's throughout the scripture. This is how our God responds to the sacrificial, sacrificial praise and complete surrender. Please listen carefully. I'm getting close to the end. For I believe with all my heart that if we really understand God's economy, and I can confess to you, I'm not saying that I do, uh, just a tiny little bit, a little bit. In the 75 years, I just learned a little bit. But if we truly understand God's economy, we come to the conclusion that our sacrifices are no sacrifice at all. At all. Why? Because he always blesses us and blesses the surrendered sacrifice. God always answers the prayer of a brokenness and surrender. He will not be a debtor to any of us. He will always repay our sacrifice with untold blessings. Will you stand up, please? Stand to your feet. I shared with our prayer group down who pray between services with me. And somehow at four o'clock this morning, I always say, Lord, could you not talk to me in the evening or in the morning? He said, this message is for someone here today. And therefore, I want to give you an opportunity. As Jeremy starts playing, I want to give you the opportunity to respond. If God spoke to you, he said, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. This is between you and God. It has nothing to do with me, the church, or anybody else. So get out of your seat. If you want to respond to this message, come down here and pray with me. And God knows your heart. God knows, knows the secrets of our hearts. He knows where you are. He knows what you need. He knows all things. You don't have to give him a history lesson. He knows it all. But if God spoke to you and you want to respond, please come. Come. Make room for the others.